0: We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Take out your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter se- uh, 5. Matthew chapter 5. And today we are um, starting a new mini series in our Sermon on the Mount. And I'm calling it uh, You Have Heard It Said. You have Heard It Said. And this is just Jesus going through. Um, the, basically the, the Ten Commandments. He's, he's reiterating the Ten Commandments. And he's telling us the technical application for us, his followers, but not only for us right here in the right now, but how it's going to be applied in the kingdom to come. How it's going to be applied to the kingdom to come. So Matthew chapter 5, Verse 17 and 18 is going to start us off today. It says this. Jesus is speaking now. and He's talking to His disciples as we've already talked in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke, shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. A yacht and a title. That's what it means, a brush stroke and a dot. But what does it mean that Jesus came to fulfill? Have you guys ever taken a moment to try to understand what does it mean Jesus came to fulfill, because he says that right off the bat, very strongly too. He says, hey, I don't want you to think that I came to get rid of the law of the prophets or the law of Moses or any of the books of the law or anything like that. He goes, I came to fulfill it. Have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean Jesus came to fulfill? What well, I want to present to you today is that Jesus is talking about three ways He came to fulfill the law in believer's life. Fulfill means that He came as the sacrificial lamb, fulfilling what was required for sin. So now we look and we are justified through Jesus Christ. He came to justify us. We are saved by believing in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Fulfilled means He also came to make a way for men to live clean and holy lives before God. So now we can approach God. I mean, think about it. In the past, the only way people were able to approach God is through the veil at the time of the atonement, right? I mean, think about that. The only people that could also go and stand before God in the Holy of Holies was the high priest, and that high priest better not have any sins. Because if that high priest had any sins that he had not confessed before God, what would happen to him? It's time to find another high priest. He'd fall down dead. In fact, it's known in the rabbinical writings that they had so many people die in the Holy of Holies, And then people going into the Holy of Holies to take the person that had fallen down dead, the high priest that had fallen down dead, they would fall down dead because they can't go into the Holy of Holies with sin, that they started to tie a rope onto the high priest's leg. And so if he fell down dead, they could pull him back out rather than have to go in and maybe potentially fall down themselves. So Jesus is saying here, as I have come to fulfill Meaning, I have come to make you holy to stand before God. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, he later on says, hey, now you can stand before God and pray in this way. Why? Because Jesus has fulfilled a way to make you holy and standing right before the Father. So he's sanctified you. He's sanctified you. So he's justified you, he's sanctified you, and the third one is He's fulfilled and made a way possible for the future as well, for you to live perfect, a free life, to reign eternally with Him in His presence, free from the temptation of sin, free from the reign of sin, free from sin to ever have an effect on your life. This is called glorification. Amen? Because you will have a perfect body. And Jesus has fulfilled the way for that to take place in your life. So there's three ways that Jesus has fulfilled the law within your life. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and look at Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look a lot at Paul's writings because Paul being a Pharisee, he is so aware of the law and how Jesus has fulfilled the law within our life. And so he writes so much in the book of Galatians, in the books of Romans, he writes so much having to do with this application of Jesus fulfilling the law. Romans chapter 8, verses 1-4, through and I'm sorry I don't have this one on PowerPoint for you. Uh, We'll have the other verses. Paul writes this, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's read that again. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I think we need to read that again because no one said amen. I mean, let's think about that. Think about what's being read here, brothers and sisters. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen! Amen. Amen. Man, if we were in a Pentecostal church, people would get up and start running around the church already. You're not condemned. The law does not stick against you anymore. You know there's a saying, throw the book at them? You ever heard that? When somebody's arrested, when somebody gets in trouble, when when you're standing before the jury, they want to throw the book of the law at you. That means they want to prosecute you to the fullest extent allowed in the law. And Jesus is letting us know that he has fulfilled the law on our behalf. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The book of the law cannot be thrown at you. Amen. 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 For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirements of the law might be, say it with me, fulfilled in us. When Jesus said He came to fulfill the law, He had this idea perfectly in mind. He is fulfilling the law in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is what accomplishment means. This is what fulfilling means. The law was never about saving someone's life. I want to let you guys know that. The law was never about saving someone's life. The law was about being obedient, but it wasn't about earning or deserving heaven. Because that would go contrary to Scripture's, wouldn't it? Scripture doesn't say anybody that obeyed the law made it into heaven. It doesn't say that. On the contrary, take a look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, again, I said we're going to be a lot in Paul's writings because Paul speaks a lot about the law and the freedom we have in Jesus Christ and his fulfillment. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1-6, through it says this, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In other words, who has fooled you? Who's tricked you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He said, look, did you get the Spirit of God? Did God seal you for the day of redemption because you obeyed the law? He said, no. No. You received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the seal of redemption. You received God living in you through faith. Let's keep on. Are you foolish? Verse 3, are you foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? You see, the the argument that was taking place here was there were some people saying, hey, we need to live and walk according to the Spirit. We need to live in Christ Jesus because now we are in Him and we are free. And there were some people saying, no, what we need to do is we need to follow every law. All 613 laws and all the different interpretations of those laws, we need to start living out. Because only then are we perfected. And And Paul is saying, no, look, You're already perfect in Jesus. You don't don't have to live by these sacrificial laws and these laws of eating and these laws of of showing people, hey, look, I washed my hands and now I'm going to ceremonially wash my hands in front of you. He's saying, don't do that. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? So then... Does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And then he says this, Even so, Abraham believed. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now why would Paul say that? Why would Paul say that? Paul says that the law did not earn anyone's salvation by keeping it. No one was justified by the law, is what he says here. No one was justified. No one was looked at and said, found, not guilty, perfect, clean, you you could go into heaven. Collect $200, go straight to to heaven. It doesn't say that. In fact, when we go to court for speeding, anybody here? No, I'm not going to make anybody raise (laughs) a hand. When you go to court for speeding, it's the law that condemns you. Right? When you see a speed sign, you know what that is? That's the law being presented to you every time you drive by. Every time you see a sign that says, littering, $250 fine, you know what that is? That's the law being presented to you. Law always condemns. The law condemns a murderer. The law condemns a thief. The law condemns a lie that's under oath. Right? The law is a guide to condemn law breakers. That's really what the law is. And that's the same thing that we're being presented by Paul in the book of Galatians. The law is just a means of telling people you shouldn't have done this. That's why Paul says, we, why are you trying to be obedient to the law in order to be saved and justified? The law didn't save you. Jesus Christ saved you. Because He came to fulfill the law on your behalf. The law points to where we failed. I speed, therefore I should get a ticket. I murder someone therefore I should get capital punishment. You see all those things point to what you shouldn't have done and what you did wrong. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 24 the law was a teacher to tell him where he failed. He says he was my tutor. He says in Romans chapter 7 verse 7 that the law isn't if it wasn't for the law he would have never known what sin really was. And just like that, our law says here's the line. And if you cross it, there's a punishment. And God's law says the same thing. If you cross this line, there's a punishment. But you know what Jesus said? I came to fulfill that punishment on your behalf. I came so that you may live on behalf of me, I came to take on the punishment that you could have never taken on yourself. Law says sin, you die. But Jesus says grace. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of breaking the law. It's literally what that's letting us know. The wages. You know what a wage is? Everybody know what a wage is? Good. That means we have some hard workers here. The wages of sin is death. That meaning you have worked hard at earning death. I know that doesn't sound good to a lot of people, does it? We've worked hard at earning death, but that's what it says. For the wages of sin is death. We've worked hard at earning death. Every time we sin, we separate ourselves from God. But, and I love that there's a but here. Oh, praise God for that but. Amen. Amen. And people watching and maybe coming in at the wrong time, they're hearing that and they're saying, wait, 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 pastor, what is he saying? No, I'm, I'm getting to what that means. You'll get it. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Law says sin and you die, but the free gift from Jesus says you live by believing. Abraham believed, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Amen? It's believing. Believing. By believing, he declares you free from sin Free from death, He declares you justified. And in the future, He gives you the freedom to live free from sin, free from wrong, free from the experience of sin and the existence of sin. Isn't that something beautiful? We've never experienced that. But one day we will be glorified in these bodies. And there will never be again sin, death, and wrong because he fulfilled. Abraham, who was prior to the law. Now, let's get that straight. Abraham was prior to law. Before Moses came down from the mountain, and you know he came and presented those tablets. Abraham was prior to the law. And how was he seen as justified and right to God? Not by obeying the law, because there was no law. As we read in Galatians chapter 3 verse 16, it was the same thing that Jesus presented in John 3:16. Believe. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteous. It's the same requirement today as it went back then, you believe God and it's credited to you as righteousness. That's what you need for salvation. John 6:47, truly, truly I say to you, He who believes has eternal life. You believe and you're justified because you're believing in Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Amen? Because you're believing that Jesus was the fulfillment on your behalf. Why? It's seen in the words of Jesus. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Let's go back to it so we remind ourselves of what Jesus is saying here. Matthew 5, 16 and 17. Uh, Excuse me, 17 and 18. Do not think that I came to abolish the law. Jesus said, hey, look, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth has passed away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Not until Jesus destroys their world in fire will the law be done away with. That's what he's saying. He came to fulfill the law. The law says you cross the line and you're punished, but Jesus came to take away our punishment. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Go ahead and go to there with me if you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21. It's worth going there. This is fulfillment right here, brothers and sisters. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. That's fulfillment! He took on our sin, our wrong, our hate, our pain, our punishment. He became sin so you could be called righteousness, holy, blameless, to be seen in court as not guilty. Every time Satan stands up to accuse you, Jesus stands up and says, I paid for that. Every time you yourself Start saying, how could God love a sinner like me? He stands up with those nail-scarred hands and says, because I paid the price for all your sins. Every time, brothers and sisters, the book is to be thrown at us, Jesus paid it all. Amen? That's why we sing that song. That's why it touches our hearts every time we sing it because it resonates in our life. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. Do you believe it? Why? Because He is the fulfillment. And He makes it possible for us. Not because He did away with the law, but because He fulfilled it on our behalf. Being the fulfillment of the law, Jesus says, hey, I want you to take the right approach to the law. Take the right definition of the law. The right interpretation of the law. When an individual became a pupil of a rabbi, what they did was they sat under the yoke of their rabbi. Do you guys know what that means? The yoke of the rabbi is the definition of the law. And so they took on the yoke, the definition, how he applied the law. That's what it means, the yoke. We see that in Acts. We see that uh, in Jesus' own writing in Matthew chapter 23, verse 4. We see that in so many areas in Scripture that yoke is actually the interpretation of the law. There were 613 laws written in the Old Testament. And any one rabbi could have 10 Ways of defining each of those laws and living those laws within your life. Think about that. Think about that. 613, we're talking about over 6,130 ways to live out the law in your life. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? You guys have gotten it completely wrong. You guys are acting... Uh, foolish because that's not the interpretation of the law. You know what Jesus said His interpretation of the law is? Matthew 11, chapter 30. He says, take my yoke upon you because my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in spirit. Do you want to know what Jesus' interpretation of the law was? Turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 25 to 27. Excuse me, 28 to 33, sorry. Jesus says, here is my interpretation of that. You want to know what the greatest is? The foremost is, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your soul and all your mind and all that's in you. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no more commands greater than these. Jesus said the greatest, greater than any sacrifice, any burnt offering, any oath that somebody could make before God, any type of ritual that someone could make, any of the 613 laws and any of the 6,130 ways of interpreting them, He says there's greater than any ritual or anything that you could do, any sacrifice that could be given other than his great sacrifice. He says, Is this love? You see, the Pharisees' interpretation of the law was more rules, more regulations, and more separation from God. And you could only get there if you were elite. But really, at the end of the day, you were just further away from God than anything else. Jesus said, hey, the true interpretation of the law is love. And Jesus came to fulfill that law in our life, where we could be loved by God and we could love God in a pure way. And because of the love that's pouring into our life, we could love others we see this written in Luke chapter 10. I think the greatest example of love is in Luke chapter 10. If you would, go there with me in verses 25 to 27 first. And a lawyer stood up, Jesus speaking to His disciples. They just came back. The 70 have just come back from doing great miracles, doing great things on behalf of Jesus. And there's a scribe amongst them. The lawyer stood up and he put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What is written in the law and how does it read to you? And he answered to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your soul and with all your mind and your neighbor as you love yourself. So the 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 scribe, the 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 lawyer, he stood up, he tries Jesus, he says... How do I get eternal life? How do I I grasp onto this life that you've been teaching us? And he says, well, what is the greatest law? And he says the greatest law is love. Love God and love man. What can I do to enter, inherit the kingdom? Over 600 laws. Jesus says the greatest is love. In fact, in another area, it says that there is no law against love. If you think about the law, what, what is the law, guys? What do the Ten Commandments talk about? Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't covet. Don't steal. I mean, think of all the laws that we have. Think of the laws of Moses. It's basically saying it's not good to kill someone. Okay? Isn't that kind of complete opposite of loving someone when you kill someone? I mean, even when you do it in a fit of rage towards somebody that, like, uh, you, you see all those, you know, CIS shows, and it's like uh, the, the, the wife stabs the husband, but really and ultimately it's because he did something against him and there's a separation of love there, Right? When you have to tell somebody not to murder someone, it's because there's a separation of love. When you have to tell somebody not to to be jealous of them, it's because there's a separation of love. When you have to tell somebody to worship God and God alone, it's because there's a separation of love. You see, the Ten Commandments was because there was a separation of what? Love. And Jesus is saying, I've come to fulfill... This on your behalf so you could have that love back. Not many people understand the IRS, do they? Everybody's giggling. According to Forbes magazine back in 2013, tax codes surpassed 4 million words. Think about that. That's why we need to pay CPAs a lot more than we do. Over 4 million words the IRS requires for your tax code. The tax codes have become so complex that even experts have a hard time figuring out exactly what the IRS is trying to require and say. It's burdensome. It's too ornate. It's too hard to understand. It creates separation for the ordinary man to understand it. And you see what's taking place? As the leaders in ancient Israel did the same exact thing with a religious system. They became barrier creators, interpreting and interpreting and interpreting. They made excess laws that governed man when God was saying, the most important thing is I want you to love me and I want you to love your neighbor. They were just adding more and more and more and more And it began to separate people from God. Jesus said, hey, listen, you've missed the mark. The law is love. The law is not ceremony. It's not tradition. The law was to prepare you to stand right before God. So you could say, I love my neighbor. And I love you, Lord. The law was so people would know who God was. And yes, how they fall short all the time. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. In Romans chapter 13, again, like I said, we're going to Paul a lot. In Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 11, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. What's the fulfillment of the law? Love your neighbor. Why would Paul say that you don't have to have any type of other fulfillment? Because Jesus already said, I came to fulfill the law on your behalf. I took your punishment, your sin, your wrong. So Jesus already prepared the way for us to have love from God and to love God. Now Paul's saying, hey, you know what? You want to live out the other half of the law in your life? Love your neighbor. He who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Verse 9, For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this knowing the time that is Already the hour for you to be uh, to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Brothers and sisters, you know what Paul's reminding us is that we should live out love for the people that are seated around you, for the people in need, for everybody that's out there. You know why? Because Jesus is coming. My Bible professor used to say this. If you were to die, or Jesus was to come back, would you be proud of what you were doing last? Would you be proud of your last conversation? Would you be proud of your last action? Then live knowing He could come at any moment and live love in your life. Amen? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of love and He gives us the freedom to love others. Listen to the rest of Luke chapter 10. It, 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 just, it, it answers a question before the question comes up and I love that. Luke chapter 10, looking at verses 29 on. But wishing to justify himself, in other words, wishing to stand up and look righteous and look holy in front of everybody. The scribe or the keeper of the law said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied to him, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. And they stripped him and they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest, I want you to underline that real quick, priest, was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Underline other side. Likewise, a Levite, underline that, a Levite, also when he came to the place and he saw, he passed on the other side, underline that as well. But a Samaritan, underline that, Samaritan, who was on a journey, came up upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, underline that, compassion, compassion. And he came to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend on him, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robber's hands? And he said to him, the one who showed mercy toward him, then Jesus said, go and do the same. The term here, when Jesus is talking to the scribe, when he's talking to the keeper of the law, he says, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? When he says that term, how does it read to you? It's the word Okay, Genosko means to know intimately. And what he's saying is, how does it read to you? He's saying, how do you interpret or know the law? How would you Apply the law in this situation. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus gives this beautiful experience for us to look at. A man gets beaten, he gets persecuted. He gets left for dead on the side of the road. And the priest comes first, and the priest walks on the other side of the road. The priest, the teacher of the law, right? The rabbi, the one that teaches and imparts wisdom to others. And then a Levi, the ones that do the acts to keep the sanctuary, to keep the temple, to keep everything going and moving. And neither of them go and help. Why? It doesn't say say it here. But in those times, if you touch somebody that was dead, you're ceremonially unclean, and you could not go to a a temple for a couple weeks. You had to do a whole bunch of rituals. It would be costly, and you wouldn't be able to go to temple for a couple weeks because you're ceremonially unclean. Now, if you touch someone and helping them and they died after your ceremony unclean and you'd have to follow a couple different other things, it would be costly, you'd have to do certain sacrifices, you'd have to do certain infant, uh, incense things, there was a, a process and they didn't want to have to go through that process just in case. The just in case was dividing them between that person and love. You see why Jesus is bringing this up is He's saying, your tradition is separating you from love. And then He says, hey, there is a Samaritan that was walking down the road and when he saw the man, he felt compassion on him. You know what compassion is? Is when you can look at a person through the lens of yourself. What if I was in that state? Wouldn't I want somebody to help me? You see... Tradition and law keeping and abiding had separated the keepers of the law from feeling compassion. And we know that this man was in that same state because at the very end he can't even say the name Samaritan. He hated the Samaritan so bad that at the very end, instead of saying the Samaritan, he says the one that helped him. Jesus is trying to call out to us is because he fulfilled the law that was required of sin and death. Because he gives us the opportunity to stand justified and sanctified before God. Because one day we will live glorified among him. He wants us to live a life of love in the here and the now. Do you see it? It's twice within this passage Jesus says, Go and do. The scribe answers him, well, you should love God and love man. And Jesus says, do it. And then at the very end of the passage, he says, well, the one that showed mercy towards the man, he's the one. He says, go and do that then. I think Jesus is trying to sell us something, isn't he, brothers and sisters? He's trying to tell us to stop talking about love and start living a life of love because he came to fulfill love on our behalf. This is living the law of love. Jesus died to make you alive so you could uh, live free to love others. Amen? Jesus came to fulfill love on our behalf using His every resource, just like the man that's listed, the Samaritan, the reject. The Samaritans were hated. But what did the Samaritan man do? He put him on his own donkey. He took out his own oils and he rubbed it on the man. He took out his own money out of his pocket and he threw it at his disposal. He said, and anything else that is owed, I will handle it. He put the burden on himself. What did Jesus do for us? He put the burden on himself. We had this long laundry list of law. And Jesus put the burden on himself. And He died on the cross so we could love people in the way that He loves us. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Church, go and do likewise. This is the definition of law. In Christ Jesus, that we have been freed from the law of sin and death, so we can live the law of love, so we could live freely with others. He took on the consequence of the law, so you could live freely to love Him and love others. Go and do likewise. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you are sanctified, you are justified, you are glorified, well, will be glorified. So live love. Who's your neighbor? Anyone around you. Anyone in need. Anyone that needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Anyone that's needing an arm around them to cry with, to weep with. That's who your neighbor is. And Jesus freed you so you could go. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.